Hi guys, welcome, 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 welcome to this week's Carpenter Queens podcast coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the TCQ video store where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. I am on my last write-up of the month, Raymond. (laughs) And I'm currently on a second verbal warning for coming in late to work, Nicholas. (laughs) Let's get into this week's episode, guys. Hi, everyone. This is episode eight. I'm so excited. We're so close to double digits. I know, it's exciting. So we've reached this point already. How are you feeling about the podcast? Because we've been getting nice comments that... We have a good flow. We have a good banter. And yeah. I would agree. I, you know, the the welcome has been really warming in all honesty. Um, when we started this, it's more of just a passion project for you and I. This is mm-hmm. what we do on the daily regardless. So we kind of just Honestly. like record it now. Um, but it's been really nice to get such great compliments on our banter mm-hmm. and um our knowledge because this is us just seriously geeking out and this is like what we went to school for this is what we do in our downtime (laughs) this is our hobby um so the fact that other people are enjoying it is really great and I have to give credit where credit is due a lot of the a lot of the humor comes from your editing and honesty like yeah (laughs) thanks don't get me wrong we're funny bitches but uh, (laughs) a lot of it comes from your editing like when you send me the the you know the file before you upload it I sit here and I you I can't even tell you how many times you catch me off guard with your editing. So <laughs> kudos, bitch, you get me. Thanks. I'm. Re- it's been really. It's been overwhelming. Just the response of I. We've both never done anything like this. Anything like, of the sort. Anywhere out there, and I've been bugging you for it forever. I think that we're hilarious, <laughs> and I've always wanted to record it. But uh, a fun little tidbit for everyone: we used to do this when. How old were we? When we would, we used to have a fake radio station called KBBL. Yeah. No sports, no rock, no information for mindless chatter. We're your station. KBBL Talk Radio. How dare you expose me on the air first? Of all. <laughs> uh, yeah, so funny enough, uh, when we were little, I used to like make you and David <laughs> play radio with me, and KBBL is like the fictional radio station from The Simpsons. So yeah, we would sit there with David's little, the little recorder toy from Toy Story. And, yes, on and cassette. Uh huh, and I would get some like blank cassettes or even cassettes that were already recorded on. And there was a way that you could hack to record over it, <laughs> and so I would record over old cassettes, and we would play radio. It's I love it. It's such a weird full circle like moment now it's that so we're funny. here. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned it because I thought about it the other day. I was like, wow, we used to do this as kids, and now we're doing it still as adults. <laughs> it's a lot fancier in your defense but it, we just used to fuck around and just have a great time and i feel it's the same feeling i get from doing this podcast so i look forward to it every week when we get to record i'm just like guess what we're doing this week <laughs> yeah especially i mean not that we're not ever excited to do the films that that we would cover but like especially if it's something that we really really like that holds dear to our heart we're super excited to do it 
Oh, always and forever. Uh, before we continue on, we would like to bring up, if you're loving us so far, if you're enjoying our weird little show, you know, recording inside an employee bathroom, uh, leave us a review and rating. Currently right now, we are sitting at a 4.5 out of 5 because Woo! some little asshole left a one-star rating on there. And I know it's Evan, you little dickweed. I told you, you have to pay for your late fees or you can't check out any more XXX films. It's not my fault. It's company policy. And you're lucky we're even letting you check out um, films from the adult section, considering you're only 17, you little shit. <laughs> so bring back our copy of Come Dumpsters 3. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to get your membership canceled. I f- Thank you. Thank you, Evan. But if you don't want to be like Evan, please talk about us. Uh, comment on our Instagram. Let us know that you guys are listening. We Leave us a rating. Um, it's not even so much as a, like, yeah, put our shit out there. We really want to know, like, if you guys are enjoying this, do you have some feedback for us? Um, let us know. Yeah, I don't take constructive criticism well, but like, just tell me that my voice sounds nice, <laughs> like I'm Stevie, and that'll make me super happy. Moving on. <laughs> Alrighty. So this week on the Slice News Update, WandaVision has finished as of currently of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine wonderful episodes on Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, I tried watching The Mandalorian and you guys can kill me or whatever. I really haven't been able to get into it. They're going to drag my ass. All the Baby Yoda stands are going to drag you. (laughs) (laughs) But WandaVision held me from the first ad. It was everything Mm -hmm. I needed and I didn't know I needed. How do you Mm -hmm. feel after the season's finished? We've been messaging this whole time. I am coming in as a non-Marvel Universe fan. I don't care for any of the superhero movies. I'm going to get dragged for this opinion, I'm sure, because everybody's always gagged when I tell them, I could give two shits about Captain America. I think Chris Evans is hot. I don't give a oh, fuck. He's so hot. That's the Marvel America's Universe, ass. The Marvel Universe is just too big for me. It, there's so many mm-hmm. movies and storylines that encompass it. It's overwhelming for me. Um, so, but I get why people enjoy them. I know a lot of people grew up with these superheroes. I get it. It's just not my tea. But. And it's a big butt. And it's a big butt. <laughs> but when I saw the first ad for WandaVision, I was like instantly intrigued because I grew up on those like old, like I grew up on, on I Love Lucy and, and shit of that. I grew up on sitcoms. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. You got oh, my this interest. Is it. You got my attention. And then uh, obviously Richard's a a big Marvel Universe fan. So he was interested. So from episode one. I realize how much of like a fan he was. Hi, Richard. Bitch, we got the whole Marvel Universe sitting over there on our shelf. But yeah, he's a big fan. So um, we watched it every week. And from episode one, I was like, I was, I was in, I was in it for the win. And it was a great series, great writing. Um, I'm a fan of Elizabeth Olsen. I'd never heard of either of their characters, to be honest. I think I've only seen Age of Ultron out of all the <laughs> Marvel Universe movies, and that's because Richard dragged me to go watch it. Um, but it was a, it's a great series. So well done. So I well loved done. all the references, the production design, the costumes. Mm-hmm. Everything was top-notch. I would expect nothing less coming from A, the Marvel Universe, or B, something from Disney+. Plus. It's always going to be like top-notch. 
well, they had a lot riding on this one. This was their big Marvel TV series. This is what Disney Plus was essentially made for. They mm-hmm. talked it up and like, this is going to be connected to all the movies and you have to watch these to get the new movies coming up. And that's a lot. That's asking a lot yeah. of your fans. But I think they were able to get away with it just because they've built this entire empire and universe and people were super on board and love what they've done and they mm-hmm. took a risk and holy fuck was it a fantastic risk everything yeah. about it everything you've mentioned sets uh, costumes makeup design character development everything was beautiful the finale i guess spoiler alert now I'll set up an alarm or something <laughs> but the ending wasn't where i was expecting and w- i was i was teary-eyed at the end of it but d- did you feel some type of way i know you didn't have a full connection to these characters mm-hmm. Um, I definitely sympathized. I don't have, uh, <laughs> I don't have like an emotional connection to these characters as much as like, like you or Richard or a bigger fan mm-hmm. of these movies would. Um, but it was, don't get me wrong. I, I walked into this knowing damn near nothing about these characters or anything about the Marvel universe. So anybody who hasn't seen any of these movies, you don't have to see these movies in order to watch a show. Would it help? Absolutely. Cause I know oh, yeah. you watched, you watch these movies going in. So there were a couple. Once WandaVision came out, John and I took it. Well, okay, I took it upon myself, and John had to come (laughs) along for the ride to watch as many of the films as I could. And 18 hours we watched, and I'm still not fully caught up. Mm -hmm. No, I can't. That's that's a commitment. It's Um, not all of them, but uh, but yeah, you don't have to watch these movies to Mm -hmm. in order to watch the show. It would help, yeah, but you don't need to. And I think there were only a handful of things that Richard had to explain to me, and it wasn't imperative to the show it was just like who's that why did they do this why did they say that i was just nosy and i wanted to know well i was gasping and gagging the whole time and i never gag just ask anyone (laughs) 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 you're so stupid i hate you But it was really exciting. I don't think we're going to be getting a season two. And I'm okay with that. Mm. Not all TV no. shows need to expand. No, please don't give us a season two. I think Mm-mm. the storyline and everything was wrapped up so nicely that we don't, you don't need to expand on anything. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Let it follow to the movie or whatever the fuck we're going from this point on. Because I know it's mm-hmm. leading into a movie. Because everything, I feel like you can't really expand on it. What, Wanda is going to have another episode again, and then all of a sudden there's a new town, but it's not New Jersey, it's California. Like, you can't <laughs> you can't really add much to it, and I like that. It finished off in a nice little bow. Yes, we have some things that are unanswered. Where are her kids? But they have to come forward, and I'm a big Scarlet Witch stan. I'm a huge stan, but mainly because her son, Wiccan, is, like, one of the best LGBTQ characters that we have in the marvel universe in my opinion please don't stab me but (laughs) what are you gonna do stab me slice slice (laughs) so i'm excited and i hope we get the kids more so that way we can get these young avengers and get going because it's gonna be exciting sure i'm probably not gonna watch anything that follows this but wandavision was great (laughs) it was great it was great uh next up on our news update we got some more updates everybody Everybody, calm down, mm-hmm. girls. Stop fighting. American the girls Story are Season fine. 10. <laughs> we got a first look photo of Macaulay Culkin with Leslie Grossman for American Horror Story Season 10. We're mm-hmm. big stands. We know there's problems. Yes, it's a mess. We yes. understand. But I will still keep watching. So will I, unfortunately. I'm too invested in 
American Horror Story and God willing, almost anything Ryan Murphy puts out. I know. Um, but American Horror Story, I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that because I feel like that's its own episode, but I'm, I'm a big fan to say the least. So I'm really Murder excited to see. House. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm really excited to see um, some new images or stills from what they have coming because I, as far as I know, we know literally nothing about the upcoming season. Well, that's what they do every time. I just hope we don't get the bait and switch like we did with season six, uh, Roanoke. That was just oh. a messy season. And I know it's a lot of people's like favorite and I don't understand why, because I loved Hotel. Yes, I understand. I get it. Everybody gets it. I'm a Gaga stan. In every episode, there's at least one, two, if not three <laughs> Gaga references. And y'all can go back and double check that. But season five is one of my all-time favorites. Hotel was messy, but it was so fun. And then we got Roanoke. So we're going to see. How did you feel about the last season? That's 84, right? 1984? I was going to say a flockalypse, but yes, you are correct. It was 1984. <laughs> Yeah, 1984 was great. It was um, so fun. Unfortunately, it came out at a time when um, Richard and I were had moved out already, so we didn't have cable, so I didn't get mm -hmm. to watch it at all until it was on Hulu or Netflix or something. Uh, but when I finally did get to watch it, I loved it. Obviously, I mean, you are big fans of that like 80s horror campiness almost, and that's what it gave us. And it was so good. I loved it. So I'm hoping that they can ride that wave of now they finally got at least myself back on board with mm -hmm. their themes. I'm hoping that 10 like really hits it out of the park. I hope so too, because season nine was fun. It was super great. I loved the new intro. That new intro needs to be its own single because that was a bop. I love that the intro changes with every season. Although Roanoke so didn't have one, huh? Because it went with the whole like, reality. I'm just going to stop referencing it. It's, it doesn't exist to me at this point. I think that's for the best. <laughs> but this new, uh, the new little behind the scenes thing that we got was from Ryan Murphy. Because you know Ryan Murphy loves to tease and do little reveals. But we got Macaulay Culkin hugging it out. And honestly, the most fabulous jacket hugging Leslie Grossman, who has quickly become just like a favorite for me. I knew I, it. I knew oh. it. I saw it come in. Leslie is so fun. I think she's hilarious. I kind of thought she was annoying in the beginning of Apocalypse. It's when she Yeah, was, she was. She was. Kind of but she redeemed herself in 1984. Oh my God. She was the best part about 1984. She was the best mm -hmm. campy villain I could have asked for. But she was great. And I can't wait to see her do some more stuff in this one. She's wearing a ridiculous fur hat. And I'm already on board. It's gonna be like beach themed. I think it's supposed to be like, it's always about rich white people, but like <laughs> rich white people by the sea. So that'd be yeah. cool. Uh, I'm excited. I'm kind of, is it controversial to say? I'm kind of hoping this is the last season. This is 10th season already. They got renewed, I believe until season 13. And then they just greenlit oh. American Horror Stories, which is just a rip off oh my of God, Twilight Zone. Oh my God, I forgot Zone. about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see it ending out at 13. That's a good number for like a horror anthology. Um, I just hope we get one season of Aliens. I know, I know. We touched aliens on it with are, Asylum. Yeah, we did. I know Aliens really aren't like American, but imagine like a 1950s, like uh, Area 51, like Nevada setting. I think that would be so fucking cool. Ooh. Ryan Murphy, hit me up. I'll I'll pitch this to you. Don't worry. I got you, boo. It would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to yeah. close out our Slice and Dice <laughs> news update. We're going to be moving on to this week's movie. I'm so excited because the last couple of movies <laughs> have not been 
good. They're bad movies. We address oh, that they're especially bad movies. last week's episode. Holy shit, was that was that series bad? Yeah, that series is pretty bad. I hope everyone got drunk with us because by the end of that recording, I was pretty fucking tipsy. It was pretty complicated. Yeah, I think I went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> this week's movie is very exciting. I love, I adore this director. Quickly, like the newest voice in horror has a, an amazing filmography. Mm-hmm. He's going to be Hush, co-written, directed, and edited by Mike Flanagan. <laughs> And now, our feature presentation. He's like, uh, like out the gates, out the gates with this amazing movie and this amazing filmography that he's built up so quickly. He was working a lot. Uh, Mike Flanagan, if you don't know, are you a horror stan? But Mike Flanagan <laughs> is known for Hush, Gerald Game, Doctor Sleep, an excellent sequel that I was really oh worried my about. God, Haunting of Hell House, Haunting of Bly Manor. We also have Oculus. He, Before I wake, his filmography I'm I adore, and this film in particular I feel like really set him up as a voice that was completely different from what mm-hmm. horror was going out at the time, and it still continues. It, he's a master storyteller in my opinion. Yeah, this this film, like you said, for me, really cemented him as a solid visionary in mm-hmm. horror. Because this movie, for I'm sure not only for myself, but for many people and many other um, fans in the horror community, was really, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it was so well done. And the themes and the writing that were in this movie were so well executed that oh like- God. I almost yes. can't find anything wrong. Well, I'm sure we will find things wrong with the movie, <laughs> but like, it's still so much fun to watch. It's absolutely so much fun. Uh, very quickly, it is currently streaming on Netflix. It premiered on Netflix, so easily accessible for a lot of people. I mm-hmm. highly recommend. It is one of the few fantastic Netflix horror films to come out. Uh, besides that, I have to ask. 420, what you smoking? Ooh, um, I'm currently still working on that ounce we got from our plug, but I also have my little vape stizzy pen. Um, what? A stizzy, it's a brand out here in LA. I'm sure it's not just LA. I, I think you've talked about it because every time I hear stizzy, it sounds like some new designer like rave club. Oh, let's go to stizzy. <laughs> okay, I don't know why... I don't know, maybe these, they don't have these in Colorado. I don't know. They're pretty popular here in LA. They literally have billboards everywhere here in the Valley. Oh shit. We have a ridiculous amount of vape pens, like THC vape pens out here in Colorado. Mm. So it does, sure. Do you remember what the ounce was? You don't, do you? Cause you're a stone. I, no, uh, but the Sizzy pen, this is a, a hybrid and I forgot what it was, but it's really good. Um, and I like the Sissy pins because they're small and discreet and I like it's literally just hide it in my pocket. Stizzy, discreet, I can hide it in my pocket and it's great for the day. That's Stizzy. <laughs> okay, we just like cut to a fucking TCQ, uh, what's that? Home Shopping Network shit. Uh, oh my God, I'd be down. I, 
life goal. This week, though, I smoked Mandarin cookies when I watched Hush. Mandarin cookies is a delicious sativa. I had to smoke something that'll heighten everything because this movie mm-hmm. is is meant it's meant to be watched at home this movie is meant to be watched at home where you're creeped out so i put it on a projector i made sure to bump up my volume and i highly recommend anyone to watch this watch it at home lights off and make sure your volume is as high as you can stand it or where your neighbors won't get pissed off at you yeah definitely this movie is meant to be watched uh loudly like movie theater loud and that's not because like ooh, like there's jump scares it's meant to scare you it's meant because there's great great sound design in this movie that it has to be noticed Mm -hmm. it absolutely absolutely has to but everybody smoke up hit that bong we're gonna start talking about hush yes very quick summary straight from netflix a deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life must fight for her life in silence when a mass killer appears at her window this is the easiest quickest plot summary because this movie is fast it sits at 81 minutes it doesn't even hit the 90 minute mark it was released in march uh in march of 2016 at south by southwest and then it was released on netflix in april of 2016 um it runs currently at 81 minutes with like i said it's an easy watch um and it's only got one tagline um sadly enough but it's it's a good it's a good tagline it's a quick one it's netflix where are you gonna see the tagline true 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 okay so the one tagline let's do it Silence can be a killer. Oh, wait, no, I said that wrong. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Silence can be killer. It's quick. It's quick, easy, and I feel like it really gives you, like, a good little synopsis of what you're going to be in enduring in this movie. Directed, like we stated, Mike Flanagan. Written by Kate Siegel, who is his wife. They are Mm -hmm. the cutest couple. They co-wrote it together. She also stars as the main Mm -hmm. heroine, Maddie. I like how we have another The Fog theme going on here. Written by Mike Flanagan. Directed by Mike (laughs) Flanagan. Scored by Mike Flanagan. Edited by Mike Flanagan. (laughs) Starring Kate Siegel. Written by Kate Siegel. Produced by Kate Siegel. Starring Kate Siegel. (laughs) They are a wonderful team. They've started working together since Oculus, one of his first films. And they've been together forever. I love watching any interview with them. You can just feel the love between the two. You know they love film. You know that they mm-hmm. love horror. And it's so good to see. And it showcases in their movies. Thank you. I was just about to follow up with that. It shows in their films that mm-hmm. they are genuine fans of the genre. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like his films are essentially like a love letter to the genre. That's exactly how I feel about them too. That's how I feel about, I know it, he's kind he's very controversial now, but we, uh, Quentin Tarantino, all of his films feel like love letters to those particular genres that he's alluding mm-hmm. to. And with Mike Flanagan, that's what every single one of his films feel like. It's just a giant knowledgeable love letter to this genre. Uh, I can't wait to dive in onto that. But continuing on with our cast, we also have John Gallagher Jr. as the man. I I know John Gallagher from Broadway. He was in a musical, Spring Awakening, and I believe he won a Tony for it. He's fantastic. He's got an amazing singing voice. I used to have the biggest really? crush on him in high school. Oh my God, yes. I Biggest crush on him in high school. I, he's got an amazing singing voice. I never would have expected him to be a Broadway star because apparently he's been on The Belko Experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cloverfield Lane. And Ten Cloverfield Lane, yeah. And he was just in Underwater with Kristen Stewart. Oh, nice. I still haven't seen that. (laughs) Highly suggest. I know, I know. (laughs) 
the the DeSoto case. We know. Back to full girl. We also have Michael Truco as John, Samantha Sloan as Sarah, and Emma Graves as Max. Mm. And anyone listening can please know I didn't fuck up one name. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Finally. Oh, wow. Well, like, check him by the eighth episode. Hey, you know what? We got there. That's all that matters. <laughs> we also have special effects makeup by Stacey Witt. Also uncredited as the makeup department head. And I feel like this really has to be stated because the special effects in this movie, especially in like the last 20 minutes, oh my God, they're spectacular. They're really Mm -hmm. based in realism and they make me wince every single time I see it. Yeah, they're really well done. And not to like a gross point, but gets a little gory for like a hot second. But it's it's, like I said, it's really well done and tasteful. Mm -hmm. Um, So the reviews, there's not too many reviews because it came out on uh, Netflix. Um, so IMDb gave it a 6.6 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 67 out of 100. Nothing for AV Club. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 93 points, uh, excuse me, 93% on the tomato meter and a 73% audience score. Uh, box office, there's no box office because it's Netflix. Hello. Um, I am very upset with these IMDb and Metacritic Thank reviews. you. I, when I saw them, I almost flipped my table. I was like, are you for real for this movie? Mm-mm. Like, what? Uh, Rotted. There's no accounting Rotted. for taste. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I, you know, we're never going to give them the time of day. Fuck IMDb and fuck Metacritic. Let's move on. <laughs> At the end of the day, it doesn't matter, okay? The bitch is safe. Leave her the fuck alone. Oh, like, I'm going to worry about Heidi right now, okay? Like, I think you, you, you. You, you, and you. I'm about What is that about? Watch, we're gonna get angry letters, dear Mister Carpenter Queer. <laughs> For our production notes, we have a budget of one million dollars, and that they used, they milked the shit out of that one million dollars because mm-hmm. it. That's relatively low. That's the, about the same amount that's... of budget we were playing with with the fog, and that's mm-hmm. really nothing. And they worked as much as they could out of this because this is a beautiful, expensive-looking film, in my opinion. It is like I, it's it's so well done. It's so mm-hmm. well done. It's so beautifully done. You can tell that they pre-production the shit out of this movie because when I was watching uh, behind the scenes video, they had talked about how. They live here in Glendale in California and they had blocked in their house prior to shooting. And when they finally found the location that they were gonna shoot in in Alabama, they had to redesign their blocking because it was different from the layout of their house in Glendale. Which, uh, let me restate that, that's amazing. So Flanagan and Siegel, like we stated, wrote this script together, which is also why Maddie is just an excellent, well-constructed, thought-out character. And Mm -hmm. I feel, Flanagan, you can fight me on it, but I feel like that might mainly come from Siegel. I, if anyone has seen her in uh, Haunting of Hill House, she is an excellent character as Thedora. She can sell the shit out of a script. Mm-hmm. As she co-wrote it with her, with him, it, she's also stated she really kept in mind the female perspective and never really wanting to make this feel like this is gendered, that you can place anyone in the role of Maddie, male, female, non-identifying, however you want to go, it could still work. This character is not center, centered around their gender, which is one of my favorite parts about Maddie. Yeah, absolutely. And she kicks ass, man. Holy she, shit, man. She's great. And obviously a fantastic final girl. Fantastic final girl. Continuing on, just to get my notes out of the way, making the main character deaf mute probe to be a real challenge for Flanagan. The 
both Flanagan and Siegel really wanted to be tested and create a film without dialogue. They even tried to go as far as make a the film entirely silent. However, they abandoned it really quickly once they realized you can't build tension within that format and it's possibly near to impossible. At least I would say a horror film that is silent because horror is very reliant on sound. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's the soundtrack or, you know, the Foley, it, it needs some sort of sound. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad that they abandoned the whole silent film thing because I not only would have not translated, I don't think audiences today have the attention span to sit through a silent movie. I know I, I don't. don't. Think so either, I really <laughs> don't think so either. Even at, a, in my opinion, a really short runtime of 81 minutes, that you need the sound in order to indicate where we're going and the use of sound like you stated is wonderful holy crap mm -hmm. their use of sound is so it's so pinpoint and exact like flanagan knows what he's doing and it has to be stated he's a genius in my opinion yeah i'm telling you i have the mind of a master master i have the mind of a mastermind what's that i don't know but and i'm so creative like that mm -hmm. so flanagan also found some challenges and shooting in the single location setting and had to plan their cinematography to keep the film interesting for the audience. And you think that's especially well done anytime we interact with Maddie, when Maddie uses her, what does she call it? Her inner voice. So that mm -hmm. way she can map out different endings. Anytime yeah. we scope around her or indicate what she's listening to, Besides the fact that the sound indicates what we're listening to, the camera really is so fine-tuned that you feel exactly in Maddie's space, and that's wonderful. Not a lot of films do that, and I think that's why you care so much about her when she gets put to the fucking ringer. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Uh, I agree. Um, they make this movie feel really intimate. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. it's a home invasion movie, so they want you to feel sympathetic with the character. They give her a very nice character arc. They set a nice base in the beginning of the movie, the relationship with her neighbor, um, that she's a stay-at-home writer. They really give, like, a really solid basis for this character. Mm-hmm. I think that really goes down to the script, even though... The script really wasn't a script. It was just a bunch of blocked out areas, like you stated. And yeah. they just had to work everything throughout. And that is so intimate. And I find it so interesting for a couple that I can't imagine what this was like. Because it's already one that you're living with them. You're married with them. You're working with them on the script. You're blocking everything out. And then you have to work with them on set. One has to act. One has to direct. Kudos for both of them, for both of them being able to just like put those hats on on and off because I don't know mm -hmm. what you do. It. It's a lot. They they were really hands-on in this project. And so mm -hmm. I can only imagine that this might have tested their relationship in the process. But oh like you said, kudos to them. Kudos. Cause it doesn't show on film. All no. we see is a passion project that was so well done. It it's uh, like this film is it's up there. I feel like this you could do a double feature with Hush and The Strangers. I feel like that would work extremely Ooh. well because they both deal with home invasion. And the biggest difference between the two, and I think why it works so well, is that the characters and The Strangers are never spelled out for you. And that's kind of what we get for Hush because throughout the film, we get a lot of tidbits about her life. Craig, who she clearly probably isn't in a relationship with anymore, and that's not spelled out for you. So both of those realms, I feel like, work together. They can kind of live in the same universe, if you were to ask me. Mm -hmm. 
no yeah i agree they 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 give you enough story so that things make sense but they also leave enough out so there's almost like an air of mystery about the movie Mm -hmm. um that you know they don't spell everything out for you which i like um i feel like too many movies want to like literally like write everything on the dialogue this is so and so and this is how she grew up and this is where she was born and this is why she's this way we don't need all that you need Mm -hmm. you need just enough for the audience to kind of spell it out for themselves there's storytelling i think that's what it comes down to uh, Flanagan really knows storytelling because this is one of the movies that does not, it's a slasher that doesn't rely on jump scares, which is really rare for mm-hmm. slashers. And I feel like people don't talk about that enough with Hush. It's a slasher. Would you? I agree. It's a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. He he kills the neighbor. He kills the boyfriend. He's gunning for her. Like this is a slasher slash home invasion, like at its core. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to dive in, so let me just finish this out. Uh, they used a steady cam to follow Siegel's every move with a boom mic and a spotter to create more dynamic movement throughout the scenes. And it's really evident whenever she's like pacing back and forth between the rooms throughout the house. Mm-hmm. And I love steady cam anything. I'm a sucker for long steady cam takes. Ooh, that shut gets me so excited. <laughs> Especially like um, really good opening steady cam um, shots, like the one from season one of Scream Queens episode one dearly beloved we're gathered here today because a backstabbing little bitch got exactly what was coming to her i love when her hands are just bloody and bloody Uh and then it pans out the party down the stairs oh so good so good r.i.p scream queens that first episode was everything yeah and then i mean the first season was great and then the We'll, we'll talk about season two. <laughs> but, referring back to the steady cam, them using the steady cam resulted in apparently shitty as fuck audio that all had to be redone in post. And Flanagan noted that the audio initially, quote, sounded like a herd of elephants, unquote. <laughs> I'm glad they did, did everything in post because apparently Siegel had to go back and do ADR to do her own breathing back for the final film. And I feel like this film, if it did not have strong sound editing or strong sound understanding mm-hmm. it it would not work none of this film would work no 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 it wouldn't work at all because sound design is very important not just in this film but any film and i think that mm-hmm. gets overlooked a lot and that was something that was uh reiterated when i was in film school they were saying mm-hmm. people will go and watch a shitty movie if it looks bad as long as it sounds good because your eyes can be more forgiving than your ears if the audio is not good then and you can't hear things or you just can't connect people won't be able to connect and they're just not interested they're willing to look like a, they're willing to watch a bad angle or bad lighting or, or whatever a fuzzy scene mm-hmm, in an out of focus scene as long as they can hear it because they can still kind of piece it together of what it's supposed mm-hmm. to look like but if there's no audio the audience can't connect that's that's beautiful that's so beautifully put and this movie is so reliant on sound especially given that the main character is deaf mute that is i love that challenge and it's so simple on the slasher formula because if we were to take out that aspect this is a slasher straight up this is a classic Mm -hmm. slasher and i don't want to peg it into that hole and just make it seem like that's all that this is because i think this is also just an excellent character study film if you really want to look at it in that lens but mm-hmm. it, it's a slasher that has really developed characters that is really reliant on sound. And it's so 
good because of that. But it, <laughs> we honestly like can't say it enough, like how well it's all done, but it really, really is. Like I I don't think people who don't have a background in film or know how difficult it is filmmaking is and how it's such a passion project and it's really mm-hmm. a team effort. Mm-hmm. But this film was really like like we said like it was a passion project and mm-hmm. um it was so well done with the sound design and the character i think it's really apparent and i, I i'm gonna leave the sound design. i'm probably gonna touch it on touch on it again because it's cues throughout the film but within the first 45 to 50 seconds within the film i'm talking about the opening credits i'm talking about when they're showing the production flanagan knew exactly how to cue the audience that what you're about to watch is res- it's reliant on sound because when the film opens all the production companies that come forward even blumhouse were used to hearing mm-hmm. noise all of it is silent and the first mm-hmm. noise the first thing you see is a title card hush and it's a loud sound when i first- exactly <laughs> thank you dead meat uh it when you're watching it it's a cue for your ears because i picked up on it i don't know if you did but immediately i thought something wrong was my something was wrong with my sound when mm-hmm. I saw all the production stuff and I couldn't hear anything. Holy shit, Flanagan, you're a smart little bitch. I see you. Uh, it was it was a great, like, uh, prologue? Epilogue. Prologue? What's at the beginning? Prologue. prologue. It was a great, like, prologue for <laughs> the film. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't read. It was a great prologue for the movie. Like, it was letting you know, like, hey, like, this movie's about sound. Something that's going to be, like, really quiet at points. And then... Boom. Sound. And it's out the gate. I would say the first 10 minutes is just set up. So let's start. We are welcome to Maddie Young. She is a deaf horror author. She just finished writing, I believe it's called Midnight Mass, which, mm-hmm. hey, turns out is going to be a TV series that Mike Flanagan is making for Netflix with Katie Kate Siegel starring. No way. Yes. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. But we see Maddie Young. She's currently writing her next book. She doesn't know what she's going to write it about. She's really frustrated. She's trying to figure out the ending. We find everything about her. We find out that she's deaf. Her neighbor comes over who's practicing her sign language. And mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful, excellent display of this is how Maddie hears. We figure that out through her cooking. This is how Maddie goes throughout her day. We get introduction of the plot devices of her laptop, of her phone, and how she can read lips. And it's done in such a naturalistic way. It doesn't feel forced down your throat. No, yeah, they... They wrote this movie so organically that it doesn't feel forced. Um, it's like you said, it's almost like a character study of like a deaf mute person going throughout the daily routine of their life. She's a stay at home writer. Obviously she's struggling. She's got writer's box. So she goes and try to distract herself with making dinner. Her neighbor comes over to try to tell her that she just finished her book and how great it was. Like it's essentially, they they do such a great job of kind of giving you this character analysis without given it to you through like written dialogue. I would love to see people more challenged in that way because it is so smart. It is so simple of this is her laptop. This is how she communicates. This is how she talks to people. This Mm -hmm. is where her mind is at. She's clearly in a spot in her life where she's kind of lost. She doesn't know what to do. She's self-isolating. She's closing herself off from the people around her literally Mm -hmm. and figuratively. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we get mentioned of Craig, her 
maybe boyfriend guy that she's dating. We don't yeah. know if that's never explained and I don't need it to be explained. No, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't, I feel like I'm saying the same words over and over again. <laughs> Continuing on, we go throughout her day and she's trying to get her cat, her cat that she keeps calling a bitch. And then, <laughs> I mean, what cat is it a bitch? Exactly. I'll tell you why, cause you are a mean girl. You're a bitch. When she goes throughout her day, she's cleaning up her mess that she made in her house. She set off her fire alarm because she can't cook for shit. Hey, girl, me too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> While Maddie's cleaning, we it jumps from the gun. And I want to say it's maybe not even 10 minutes in. Sarah, who was her neighbor, comes up bloodied and trying to bang on her door, get Maddie's attention. And this is how we get introduced to the man. He take how did you how did you feel about the man as a villain? Oh my God, that the villain, I thought the the home invasion, the intruder, excuse me, I can't talk. I thought he was great. I thought he had like this air of mystery, but also like, like psychosis. Like, I, I don't know. He's sick because as the movie progresses, he just like, clearly he's not, he's in it for the game. He's in it for oh, the thrill. Yeah. And so he just fucks with her this entire movie. And so this man is sick. I love it. I love the writing. I love this character arc that they gave not only the main character, but the antagonist as well. Oh, I love that. So let's, I want to touch on that because this character, he feels like a stranger's character of we don't need a motive. And I don't think a motive is necessary because this was an argument I got into with John last night about this because John was getting frustrated with why doesn't he just kill her? Why why is he doing this? And in the end, does that matter to what's happening on your screen? Does a motive... It's Scream tells me all the time. Nobody <laughs> needs a motive. The motives are so 90s passe. <laughs> and that's what, in my opinion, makes him so scary. Just his motive changes, I would say, throughout the story. At the beginning, he just wants to kill. And as the film progresses, it's his arrogance and his honestly stupidity about I'm just going to kill this deaf mute girl it's going to be easy I'm going to fuck with her and as it progresses it becomes a vendetta for him that I need to get her like she is going to be like my prime kill like I mm -hmm. want her oh yeah because he's like I'm not going to let some like deaf mute girl outsmart me he thought this was going to be an easy kill and bitch mm -hmm. she put up a fight she holy he, shit ugh, we're going to get into it but she puts on a great fight and sh she uses all, like like any great final girl uses her resources and her tools and and to stay alive. And that's all we want from our final girls. It's equally valuable. And now a word from our sponsors. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. So we get introduced to the mass killer. He deduces that Maddie is deaf and mute because he's literally murdering her, murdering Sarah in front of Maddie. And right, right fuck that's gotta suck for sarah imagine just like you try and then right there and he takes the greatest pleasure it's disturbing mm -hmm. of how many times he stabs her because it's a ridiculous unnecessary amount and it's it's very jarring it is very jarring at just how many times he continues to stab her and we stay on her forever and i really think it stresses where this killer's mind frame is at as mm -hmm. he just stares at Maddie and continues to stab Sarah. It's genuinely freaky as shit. Yeah, it was almost like he was getting off on it. Like the fact that he was killing her friend in front of her without her even realizing or knowing what was going on. Because it's gross and it it, it feels vile. Like I, I want to look away. 
yeah, it's pretty bad. And so he kills her. He realizes that Maddie never realizes and turn around, doesn't flinch, no nothing. So he taps on the glass to see, and obviously she doesn't turn around. So he realizes that she's deaf. Um, and that obviously that piqued his interest because now he found a new quote unquote easy target. So he thought this was going to be an easy kill. I like that you mentioned that, that he, you say that it, he gets excited because that is exactly what happens. He gets excited. It's like this game that he's playing, he's collecting points and oh, new level. It's this new type of situation that how can I kill her? And it is kudos, Mike and Kate, like the, your character is disturbing and I would never want to like run into him because I live in Colorado and there's a lot of guys that look like him. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but he sneaks into the house and this is where we get the creepiest bit in the movie. He just stays in the house and she doesn't notice. She's on her phone. She calls her sister. She oh, doesn't yeah. notice that her phone goes missing. And as she goes throughout the house, she realizes that she's being stalked in the creepiest fucking way I would have cried immediately when he sends her the pictures uh-huh. that he's taken of her uh-huh. throughout the night. <gasps> I would have My ran asshole out the door. clenched. My <laughs> asshole clenched. <laughs> It's, it's so I, I know we're gonna say this a million times we should just put a counter on this episode of how many times we say so well done but it is so she's sitting there you know this is our he's already killed her neighbor she's put the done the dishes gone away she's she's sitting down on her laptop obviously by this point the intruder the man has already broken in stolen her phone she doesn't realize it because she's on her laptop and you could do if you're an iPhone owner you can link your iPhone to your laptop and do everything I do it do all your, the time and just exactly just, uh, <laughs> so, so obviously this is grounded in reality which i think makes it even scarier because this is obviously something that can really happen to you which really mm-hmm. obviously for you rent really hit too close to home so it, he takes her phone she's too busy um uh excuse me video chatting with her sister and she her sister even happens to see him like walk by in the background she's like who's that and of course she brushes it off saying oh it's probably just the cat she's being a bitch as usual <laughs> which is a constant <laughs> joke in this movie um and she's like, okay, so they just brush it off. Whatever, they get off the phone, she continues her work, and then that's when she finally, she gets um, photo messages on her laptop from mm. herself, from her phone. Yeah. What the fuck? So she opens them up, and obviously they're pictures from her from behind, from in front of from her. From closet. Yeah, and then, and then, then one finally way- from the front door. And then that's when she gets up and she goes to the front door and she sees the man standing out just, just- past her front porch, just watching her. Just thinking about it gives me goosebumps because the tension has built to this point. Because as the audience, you're wa- you're just watching helplessly as he just stalks her in her house. I had to look behind me when I was watching <laughs> the movie because the bitch, I'm looking I, behind I, me now, just recording. <laughs> Go close the employee bathroom door. So it's. The um, Flanagan knows tension and that's where he takes away. There are no jump scares. There's no cat that all of a sudden pops out of a window. There's no, it's not necessary because as an audience member, you feel so helpless just watching 
as this unfolds and it finally culminates to her looking out her door and him just staring at her. And that's what's scariest because you see her, I feel like Kate, oh my God, deserves an Oscar for that one. Cause you just see like the blood rush out of her face mm-hmm. and just immediate reaction of, oh my God. She runs the door. terror. Oh no, goes to the door, locks it and she finds her lipstick and she writes on the door, won't tell, didn't see face, boyfriend coming home on the glass panel with her lipstick. And we get the best like character development, like mm-hmm. when the man removes his mask and everybody knows what that means. I feel like that's a, just a gen, like a, 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 I, I can't get it out. Like I can't get it out because it's essentially I think it, like, a, I don't care, fuck you, this is happening. I I would I would poop I would have pooped. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this it's <sighs> it's really okay. So he she writes a message on the window and she says, "Don't won't tell, didn't see your face, boyfriend on the way." And he knows she's bullshitting about the boyfriend thing because he was inside listening to the conversation she was having with her sister, saying how she was self isolating mm-hmm. or whatever. I said self isolating because we're in COVID. That's not what she said. She said she was it's isolating. COVID, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, PTSD. She's on quarantine. She would do <laughs> so, great during quarantine. I mean, she would. So she's isolating. Apparently, her relationships, excuse me, her relationship is on the rocks or something of the sort. We don't get the details. We don't need the details. You just know that either that the boyfriend's not coming or they're just not on the best terms. Or the boyfriend doesn't exist. I took it as the boyfriend doesn't exist, that they're not that. on like, they're not on talking terms right now because she, we get the most awkward, hilarious, like awkward, the, the jokes that, that are in here, there's not many. There's like maybe four or five jokes that are in this movie. But when they're used, they're great. They break the tension really well because she calls Craig, she hangs up. She's like, no, 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 let me call him again. And then she realizes that feels desperate. I'm going to hang up. And then he calls her back and she's like, oh shit, let me try close the laptop. Yeah. I have done that way too many times to count. And I'm not <laughs> happy that I identified with Kate. <laughs> so g- kudos to the script because that's amazing. It- it's a great way to break the tension because you can't just have tension filled the entire time. Yeah, you need a- That would be agony. Yeah, you, like you said, you need to break the tension. You need a little, uh, what's comedic relief. Oh, thank you for a little comedic relief. That's what they call me all the time. Sure, that's what it says in the bathroom stall. Call me for comedic <gasps> relief. <laughs> Call for a good time. (laughs) So as the film progresses, he takes off his mask. Sorry, we kind of had a a tangent there. But when he takes off his mask, he reveals to her that he doesn't care. And he knows that she can read lips. And we have one of many interactions between these two characters. The the rest of this film is just these two characters. It becomes Mm -hmm. a classic cat and mouse film. And it, it just escalates as it continues because he then just raises the stakes and tells her that like, I can get you whenever I want because this whole house is essentially glass. I don't know how anyone could live in this house. No, I could never. I like to be naked whenever I can. I can't have the neighbors looking <laughs> at me through these windows. <laughs> Whatevs. I would never, I would never move. I, as much as I like windows, like mo- our place right now has lots of natural light and windows, but we're also on the second floor. So if I like owned a house, I wouldn't want all those glass windows, those huge like French doors that open up, all the glass. There was so many, so much glass. And I understand that that it's crucial to the story. I understand. But in reality, for people like us who grew up in the hood and watch way too many horror movies, we would never. 
<laughs> I could never because she also had her door open. I never lived in a place where my front door is open. That's on you. That's all on you, Maddie. That's how he got in because he just slipped those doors and was just like, hi, I'm in your house. Oh, he did. Yeah, he mm-hmm. didn't even have to like break in or anything. Well, that's that's on you, bitch. It's all on you. Sorry, you are a great character, but you fucked up on that spot. We continue on. She locks the doors. We realize that, holy shit, this is a fun new game that we're going to have to play. And then he decides to taunt her when she preps herself in the worst possible way. mm -hmm. He uses Sarah's corpse that he dragged to the back of the house to tap on the window in the room that she currently (laughs) holds herself up in. Yeah, so she ran to the back of the house, barricaded herself in a room, which is a smart thing to do. She grabbed a kitchen knife, she grabbed a hammer, ran to one of the bedrooms, pushed a giant dresser in front of it, barricaded herself in. There's only like one small uh, window in that bedroom and she's kind of sitting by it waiting for her to attack. She's got her weapons in hand and I, it's so, the shot is so great. So the shot's on her and you see the window in the frame. And then from the window, you see a shadow coming up and you think it's him. It's Sarah's corpse. And she's just like tapping on the window and Maddie gets up and looks. And uh, it's just this look of terror on her face. Like she didn't even know her neighbor was dead until now. So this is a big reveal for her. And it, it's, it, it shows. And it horrified me already knowing that she was dead, but just the fact that this psychopathic killer would use her friend to come. Psychopathic up. freak. <laughs> it's, it's fucking horrifying. I don't know what because I would have done I in this situation. I think from there for Kate, no, I keep calling her cakes. <laughs> from there, Maddie, she, She's aware that there's someone who is now stalking her. There's someone who is fucking with her. But if it wasn't for Sarah's corpse, I don't think she would have realized the severity of, I'm going to die now. Because Mm -hmm. right after she gets that, I think I thought it was funny, but only because you can tell he's trying to antagonize her and get a reaction out of her. She just goes blank and just walks out and ignores everything and then closes the door behind her in the slowest fashion. And I only found it funny because I know that he's just like, what the fuck? Like you're supposed to pay attention to me. <laughs> but for her as a character, it's the most, it's it's one of many dramatic moments just due to the fact that she realizes I'm gonna die. There's people that are dying. I'm gonna die here. And you, the fact that Kate is a fantastic, fantastic actress and she can portray that without any words, it's, Horror does not get the recognition it deserves within the no. acting community. Because, no, it, the, oh, fuck. Uh, she's got the acting chops for this. And she essentially, like, she did this movie with no dialogue. No dialogue, just emotions. And she, I, I can't imagine gotta, what that feels like as an, like an actor or an actress. Having to go to those spots and not using words to express. So that means you're having to feel all of those feelings. Yeah. And Mike Flanagan is a fantastic director and it's been noted in multiple interviews. He knows how to really work with actors. And I think that showcases in everything he's done because everyone does a fantastic performance. Everybody in everything Mm -hmm. he does. And Kate just fucking showcases that because we get a moment like she breaks, her character breaks in that moment. But instead of fully breaking, she's a fucking final girl and she, she immediately is like, how do I, how do I solve this? How do yeah. I get out of here? Because she uses her car key, car keys to trigger her car alarm and attempt to distract him because she realizes oh, Sarah put her phone in her back pocket. Mm-hmm. 
So she distracts the killer. She sets off her alarm. And while he runs to the front of the house to go see if he thought she was like getting in her car or something, she runs back to the bedroom window where he left um, Sarah's body. And Maddie opens up the window and she's like, she's searching her pocket. <laughs> God, this is so fucked up. She's searching her friend's dead body for her cell phone. We didn't kill her, just rob her ass. <laughs> so she's searching all her pockets looking for the cell phone and she can't find it. And here comes the man running around the corner coming back. And she's, so she's got a panic and and um, she tra- she jumps back in the window and the man manages to get his hand in the windowsill and she just slams that motherfucker down on his hand. And like, I'm sure she broke it or at least fractured his hand. And so- um, He tries to break back in and it's where the hammer comes involved. The script is very smart. When you go back to watch it, you'll notice all the cues. There's particular shots of Sarah putting the phone in her, in her pocket. Mm-hmm. There was the fire alarm and she explains that it's really loud and it's really bright so that she knows what it is. Mm-hmm. She picks up the hammer, then she drops it. There's a lot of cues that you pick up on your second watch, but she picks up the hammer that she uses and just uses that back end Ooh. and just swacks that motherfucker into Ooh, his forearm. She gets a good ass hit she fucks his forearm up and it he pulls it out and we just get beautiful special effects of just like this gouged part in his forearm that just starts oozing blood and he just looks at her and makes sure that she's watching and rips off a part of sarah's shirt and uses it to bandage up his wound and that's how you get hepatitis girl you're getting blood in your blood no ma'am no ma'am it's it it elevates the game for him do you think yeah no, it ups the Annie, and now he's pissed. Now he's mm-hmm. pissed because he thought this was going to be easy, and she's putting up a fight. So now it's turned from a game to him for into like, I got to get this bitch. I'm going to show her who's boss, and I'm going to show her like how it's done. So now it's like it's it's from a game for him to like. I feel like that doesn't really happen until the second part. I think you're right in that he's starting to rise, but I think you're right in that he realizes, oh, this is no longer a game because I just got fucked up. But Mm -hmm. I feel like he doesn't really get that way until her second attempt. After that, she realizes, okay, fuck, that didn't work. I couldn't get the phone because he shows her that she has Sarah's phone. Mm -hmm. So fuck you, the man. So she goes upstairs to the second story and she realizes, okay, I'm going to try to get throughout this window. And she tries to make an escape. And that's where she starts formulating better plans. She's kind of those characters that trial and error is how she learns. Not all final girls are treated the same. Because when she tries to escape, she gets fucking shot in the leg by the (laughs) bow and arrow. Because of course this character has a bow and arrow. Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's very your next. uh, Oh, it is your next. Oh, I didn't (laughs) even put those two together. Yeah, he's got a, a bow and arrow that he uses to kill people. I don't. It's. I mean, it's obviously the thrill of the hunt is what he's mm-hmm. going for. So I guess a bow and arrow would be his weapon of choice. I feel like it's more personal. It's not as personal as a knife, which he still does use. But I feel like a bow and arrow is personal in the sense of that you are taking the time to set up this shot to recalibrate your arrow and shoot them, and you have to get the arrow back. So he obviously wants to go after you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's a great character development piece of telling him what kind of killer he is. Because when he shoots her and she realizes, fuck, this sucks, she tries to shoot her again, and we get the coolest like action hero like move from her because when she's on the second story roof she looks over and he shoots another arrow and she does the sickest matrix back (laughs) back bend yeah thinks that he he got her so he goes back up and maddie she's a beast she fucking charges at him takes his crossbow and knocks his ass off of the roof 
clearly Maddie does yoga because this <laughs> just like flat back, like almost almost shablammed back. <gasps> that way she missed that shablam he did at the end. Oh, <laughs> oh so good. So into voguing right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, she missed the arrow, and then as the killer's coming up the trellis, um, she grabs his What's that prop, the trellis. Is that Something what that's it? called? I think so. It's like the thing that you used on the siding of the house that we have plants grow up. I have up no at. idea. Yeah, trellis. Oh, look, the more you know. Um, so he's climbing up the thing, and she hears him coming. So that's when she looks over the edge, and boom, grabs his bow and arrow, and then it's like. Poof, she like elbows him or something, knocks him down so he falls down and bitch has his bow and arrow now. So he's got no weapon. And when she, she grabs it, it, oh yeah, she can't set it. But when she grabs it, she also notices that there's uh, markings on the side of the bow and arrow gun. There's um, tally marks and there's 13, 13. of them. If yeah, mm -hmm. 13 marks on which we assume because it's never explained. But like, I assume that those are his other killings. Like these are the, like each mark is a person that he's killed. And then we get another tense chase scene where she runs back over the roof, jumps back in that window, just in the nick of time. Poor girl, like, they fucked Kate up because when she jumps in the window, she smacks down onto the table and then smacks down onto the floor just because yeah. Mike Flanagan's like, you know what? We fought last week, so I'm going to put this in the script <laughs> right now. <laughs> you burnt the roast, bitch. <laughs> and now you're going to pay. Honey, you've got a big storm coming. We get, I love when we get characters having to heal themselves scenes because it's an indication of them progressing through the story and like really like developing themselves and having to heal themselves to further on into the story if you want to go into that part but i uh -huh. just really like to see characters put themselves through it there's always a scene of a character having to do the classic like i'm gonna have to bite the towel are you ready let's put the alcohol on <laughs> yeah <laughs> So she goes into her bathroom and like self heals, splashes some alcohol in her wound. She gains and then, ten plus points, and then like <laughs> levels up. She rips <laughs> up like a towel or whatever and gets you know wraps her leg up in a little tourniquet because she's bleeding profusely. And as she finishes bandaging up during that process, while she's trying to reload the crossbow, which she finds out is incredibly difficult. And I had to ask my dad, who's a military dude, I was like. How heavy are those things? Apparently, they're calibrated to a shit ton of weight, which is why mm -hmm. they can shoot through like glass. They're pretty much anything. Yeah. So I don't think I would have been able to it to do it. Just watching oh. her trying to rip that cord up Ooh. just like hurt my fingers. Mm -hmm. No, I I know very much so that those are difficult to use. Um, so I believed it one hundred percent. I was like, oh no! If I granted, it was smart that she grabbed it from him so that way he can't use it against her. But low-key, it was kind of stupid to think that she was going to be able to use it against him. Girl, you never picked up a crossbow in your life. You think you're going to be able to just shoot this right at him? Even if she loaded it, she probably would have missed. T, all T, all shade. But while she's <laughs> trying to load the gun, we finally get John, Sarah's boyfriend that we had mentioned multiple times. Mm -hmm. But we also get, in my opinion, the most frustrating part about the script. Because John, as a character, is so fucking stupid. Because when yes. John gets to the house, uh, he realizes that things aren't right. He looks at the lipstick writing that Maddie left and he knows that Sarah's not there. And all of a sudden the man comes around and just poses as a cop and has a flashlight and tells him to get on his knees. I will state though, it is very common and it's been proven a lot of psychological studies that people will believe pretty much anyone that tells them I'm a cop if they show that they think that they're a cop enough. Because there's been instances where people call 
certain stores posing as cops just over the phone and people mm-hmm. believe them and do whatever those people tell them to do over the phone. There's famous. Oh yeah, it's called social engineering. <laughs> yes, so it's been, it was really interesting to see that part because I believed that part, but I think it just took John way too long mm-hmm. to realize mm-hmm. that something is not right here. No, I agree. It's probably like one, like one of the very few faults in this movie. Um, John as a character is uh, glazed over, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, he was stupid, didn't make great choices. It took him too long to realize that this scrawny little guy was not a cop. All he was doing this was tatted up, bleeding. <laughs> he was in civilian guy. clothes. All he had was a flashlight. He didn't have a gun or a badge or anything. There was no cop car. Clearly something was wrong with the lipstick on the on the window and every, like something was up. And then for you to just like flat out take this guy as a cop? No, where was the uniform? Where was the badge? Where was the gun, bitch? You know cops, you, you know cops are the first people to draw out their guns in any sort of situation. I know, but I'm not gonna touch on that subject, you know, a cab, whatever. Yeah. But it, it's for John, when he finally realizes that, like, oh, this is a bad guy, let me grab a rock to beat him up. It's 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 so frustrating because unfortunately Maddie bangs on the window and distracts him and the man takes that as his moment of a, what's that called? His his open he takes that as his open window <laughs> and just <laughs> lightly jabs his knife into John's neck and he just starts bleeding profusely. What was it weird for you? Because it, it was weird for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little it was a little jarring to say the least. It it fell out of place with the way everybody else was killed. Not I shouldn't say mm-hmm. everybody else. It fell out of place with the way that he killed the neighbor and the way he was going after Kate. Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> I just want to be I just want to be Kate Siegel's friend. Yeah, so it fell out of place with the way he killed the neighbor and the way he was going after uh, Maddie. So the fact, but I also understand why he did it that way because Craig, the boyfriend, is this big, bulky beast. John. Excuse (laughs) (laughs) Craig is Maddie's ex boyfriend. Lord have mercy. Whatever. I know. So he was obviously bigger than the killer. So the killer knew he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna win if yeah. that guy had the upper hand on him. So when he gets distracted, he saw like you said, he saw his 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 moment and just like a quick little like a knife to the throat, which was very effective because obviously like you go for the jugular bitch, all your blood comes rushing out. Mm-hmm. And he the man confesses, like, I wouldn't have been able to do this because you're a lot larger than I am. And he gives Maddie like a thank you. And it really sucks because Maddie just has to stand there and watch as he's bleeding to death, realizing that she fucked it up. But what, where I get a little more frustrated with the script is that John, as he's bleeding to death, he's on the floor and gives us a quick little fake out and then tries to get the man in a chokehold and almost mm-hmm. succeeds, but he's bleeding to death. So, you know, that kind of sucks. But where I got frustrated is that Maddie saw that the man was in a chokehold. Why didn't she take that opportunity to go over and just like fuck him up while he was being choked, you know? That was That's my- true. Because Kate has been, Kate, I keep doing Kate. Maddie has been an excellent, smart character thus far. There were mm-hmm. always obstacles in her way, but she found a way to get around them. And in this instance, I feel like she would have been smart enough to run after and like do some sort of harm. Like kick him while he was down. Yeah, I digress. Like, that's fine. Like, I can look past that in the script. But mm-hmm. John dies. He bleeds to death. And this is where I feel like 
the excellent storytelling from a storyteller comes in handy because this is where Maddie's voice that we mentioned in the beginning really comes voice. to play. Yeah, because there were instances throughout the film where we got her talking to herself, trying to like figure out what route she wants to take. Because Maddie sees this window of opportunity as well. Instead of going after the man, she decides maybe I can run. So we get a quick fake out. She runs out the door and we get the man come after her and brutally kill her. Just smash her skull in with a frigging stone. Oh my God. It was so... so When I first saw it, I was very taken aback. I was like, holy shit. She just got murked. He like... (laughs) He slammed her head in with God knows what and like basically bashed her brains into a pulp. It was very graphic. And then... You're stuck back in. All of a sudden, you realize it was Maddie. You were all in Maddie. It was Maddie's head. She was just playing out the scenarios of no, you, you're not going to be able to run out of here, which is very well done, in my opinion. Yeah. And excellent. It, and it kind of gives you an insight into how her brain works, which is why she's a writer because she's able to think of all these different scenarios in her head and see what's going to work and what isn't going to work. And I think it's be- used beautifully in the cinematography and the way that they set up that next shot. It's one of my favorite shots because it builds the tension in such a beautiful way. I like to call those scenes the like realization kick-ass scenes because every final girl gets it. And we usually get it when she goes through her like triathlon thing <laughs> where she realizes people are dead and she goes and finds like the different dead bodies. And then she gains the courage to fight the to fight the villain and that's uh-huh. what's happening but what's so neat about it is that we're not really reliant on the fact that her friends are dead it's just the fact that she realizes she's dying she's bleeding to death and we get the sickest little cutscenes of her figuring out how she would die if she were to take these routes but it's her talking to herself and we get that like 180 like a uh, steady cam shot around going her around and it's so sick and kate being her badass that she is it raises this tension of she realizes that there's only one way out of this whole situation and it's to kill him even though my first thought was i would that would have been my first thought that would have been my first thought like how am i gonna kill this shit it's either me or you bitch one of us is gonna die (laughs) what was the reason (laughs) no same i mean in that sort of situation and where it's in home invasion and somebody's trying to kill you I'm not trying to let you get away and I'm mm-hmm. not trying to run away. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. And But I think it builds it in such a great way because that's what culminates. We got these cool sequences of like her figuring out her death. The music is rising and she realizes, I'm about to beat this bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> I will beat this bitch up. I'll beat this bitch's ass. <laughs> The man is like, okay, I know she's bleeding to death. And we we almost get the scare of Maddie's cat, but we also get the <gasps> reveal. So the man picks up a smoke. He's going to mm-hmm. have a smoke and a pancake, wait for Maddie to bleed out a little bit more. And Maddie's cat finally reveals themselves because we've been trying to figure out where this bitch of a cat has been. Mm-hmm. And he looks at the cat's collar. And we find out the biggest reveal. The cat's name is actually Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> We love to see it. We love to see it. Thanks to the comedic relief, Mike Flanagan. That was great. It was beautiful. I loved it. But we get a fake out. We think he's going to kill the cat. But to negate what you said earlier, Maddie did load up that crossbow and she did get a good shot in. She shoots him in the shoulder. Plot twist. (gasps) We get another chase scene where she runs into the house. And I think it's the worst part is that she drops the arrow and then she tries to go back for it and slide her hand in and 
Oh my god. She gets it caught in the sliding door and he just stomps the shit out of her hand. And like legitimately lands. breaks every single finger and her Ugh. whole hand and like wrist. And oh my, it's so almost graphic without showing too much. Like they do show the hands on the angled. sound design. Yes, it's the sound design. It's the not showing it because they just kind of show him kicking and stomping at it. And then you get a quick shot of her mangled hand. And she's just, and you obviously she's deaf mute, so she can't scream. So she's just sitting there almost screaming in silence and agony. Ugh. And it's really this, hard to watch. Almost every, every like kill or stab or any, anytime somebody got hurt is so graphic without being graphic almost. Mm -hmm. Like you feel the pain that these people are feeling. Like when, even when the man gets that hammer in his arm, oh. I, I still, gra I'm grabbing my arm right now. Like, <laughs> it, like you feel the pain almost. You really do. And I think that just comes from everybody's acting. Like, I, I really can't overstate everybody's acting in this movie. Because at the end of the day, it's just these two, Kate Siegel and John Gallagher. Yes, we get John and yes, we get Sarah. But they're kind of on the side and they do die and it's effective. But Kate and John just were, they are excellent actors at being able to just know their characters so well and build this tension so well. So when we do get those moments of quote unquote graphic violence, it's so effective because of their acting. It, mm -hmm. I, I, you are, are you feel for I immediately, characters. yeah, yeah, thank you. You feel for these characters and it's horrible. She finally takes her hand back in and I love her because he's watching her and he wants to see her in pain. The sick son of a bitch wants to see her in pain. And yeah. she immediately stops, gets up and looks at him in the window with this determination that is, just, I, I get goosebumps thinking about it because it is so beautifully portrayed. And she just dips her hand into her wound, gets the blood and just tells him to do it, coward, to just fucking take her out. Oh. And I, it is so fucking, I can't stop saying effective, but I really can't overstate that, that these characters, their arcs have culminated to this. We now, this is the final face off. We this both is injured each other. The final countdown. <laughs> Copyright, we gotta stop there. <laughs> But that, yeah, this is legitimately what this is. Like when she dipped her finger into her own blood and wrote Twice. Do it on the on the window, it was like, oh, bitch, this is the turning point. Mm-hmm. It was so gratifying. It was essentially her spitting in his face and just calling him a little bitch. Like, yeah, it this was, was fantastic. This was the uh, Laurie Strode moment from H2O. Michael! <laughs> it's, it's wonderful because you know this is where this is where it's it i legitimately thought maddie was gonna die i really thought that's where we were gonna end or both of them were gonna die because he begins to smash in the windows which mm -hmm. the windows are what are they what kind of windows are these because he smashes them apparently over and over again i was like oh that's why he didn't break in he knew this was really thick glass i <laughs> i would assume so i if i i mean that's smart if i were to have a house with that much glass one i would have plenty of curtains and blinds but two i would want wind glass like that that's unbreakable mm -hmm. uh i don't know this is like some fear type shit. do you remember the house from fear where he could like they were throwing stones at the wall at the glass and it wouldn't break oh yeah i'm Ooh, assuming I, it's the I same kind her. of glass i don't know rich people glass it's that rich people <laughs> It's not rich people glass. You can't look at our glass. Like if you look at our windows, they break. <laughs>
But while he's breaking in the door, she takes that time with her one hand to write a message to her family. And it's so heart-wrenching. He's 5'9", he's got a tattoo, he's a white male. I love you, mom and dad, and Max, I died fighting. Uh And she sends it. And then, like, like you said, like, this is... This is it. This is the final showdown. She sends out and it's. She doesn't send it out. She keeps it on her laptop. Oh, sorry. But it was so well done because you hear in the background that he, you can see him in the background that he's still trying to break in and she's typing this up really quick on her laptop and she closes it. And um, this is when she runs around to the kitchen. Yep. She finishes writing her message to her family and then she goes into the bathroom and locks herself in and she arms herself with a knife and the wonderful steady cam work because you start seeing viewpoints from her view and it's fuzzy. She's losing blood. She's mm-hmm. on her literally her last leg. She's got one leg left. One <laughs> leg, one arm. <laughs> Damn, that's I mean, whew, not only deaf mute, but you lost you have one leg and one arm now. I know. They put her through it while she's barricading herself in the bathroom. We get an excellent shot of this fuzzy, out of focus. It's moving back and forth and it's just on her. We get just ambient noise. Probably mm-hmm. the best shot of the movie. Honestly. Based on myself, because it's just a static shot on her and um, very like well lit from behind because the bathroom windows behind her. And obviously, I guess she's just delirious at this point because she's not, I guess she was, obviously she's not in the right space. She's on her last leg, she's dying. So she wasn't watching the window. She was kind of just waiting for him to bust through the front door. And in complete silence, there's no noise. You can slow, you slowly start to see these glass shards fall from behind her. He's breaking into the bathroom window from behind her and she doesn't know. And he finally like breaks it, breaks in, comes in, jumps down behind her. And he's so fucking cocky. He thinks he's got it. He's got this bitch. He's about to kill her. And so he's so cocky that he actually chuckles and laughs. And when he laughs, the breath from his laugh, you know, she could feel it on the back of her neck and moves her hairs. And right as he's about to stab her, this bitch turns around and gives him the good old reach around. (laughs) (laughs) You're so stupid. It's the slickest slow motion shot of the film. We get the the choreography of the scene. I can't overstate how well it's structured. As he stabs her, he thinly slices her shoulder as she does the coolest like action hero flip the knife in her hand and like spins and then jabs him right in the ribs and it is so gratifying as an audience member. I got up and was just like, yes, get his ass, get him. And she runs. I would have kept stabbing. I would have been that whore that just kept like jabbing at him. But she makes a run for it. So we, she escapes, gets into the kitchen and she's depleted. She's at her last. She's essentially collapses on her kitchen floor. And he thinks he's got her. Once again, that cocky little fuck. He comes over to her and then surprise, bitch. She, I can't imagine what that feels like. She sprays wasp hornet bug spray directly into his fucking eyes. So she gets him in the eye with the wasp spray, and then um, she t- she grabs the smoke detector that they had she had taken down earlier when she set up the smoke detector. That's like super loud. It's like a hundred decibels. It's super bright because she's deaf mute. She has to be able to see it and feel it. And so she gets it out and she sets it off and that's like blinding to him because it's so bright. That's how so his like equilibrium. He's essentially in the, she made him feel exactly how he, how she feels. And I feel like that's, it, it's a wonderful twist and blinding him and then making him deaf. I think it's, it's effective. And of course it's right there in front of you, but that's when the, the final fight, the full final fight happens. Final round. 
fight. He knocks her down. He keeps pounding her head into the floor and starts Ooh. choking her out. And I think the only way this would work is if Mike and Kate were dating, because as she's dying, we get another use of excellent sound design of just her heartbeat going and it's slowing down. And between mm -hmm. each heartbeat, we get actual photos of Kate growing up with her family. So we get to see her life flashing before her eyes and she finally realizes that there's a corkscrew that she missed. Mm -hmm. And Lord, is it beautiful. She, with her last energy, her last heartbeat, and her last breath, Finish she jabs that corkscrew straight through his neck in beautiful special effects work because you can see it go entirely through his neck mm -hmm. and out the other side. With a beautiful little blood spurt on the other side. <laughs> and she pulls that sucker out, and as he bleeds to death, she finally gets her breath again. And he's finally fucking dead fatality finally after it's so gratifying like an 80 minute long cat and mouse game which was i i mean i'm not complaining about it by any mm -hmm. means um so she finally kills him she gets up she calls 911 goes outside and reunites reunites with her cat bitch yes she is a bitch b i c t h <laughs> and uh, as the movie ends, we see the police pulling up in the background. And, and that's the silence goes out again at the end. Yeah. And she smiles and she won. She won the game. Yeah, she did. And she's a kick-ass final girl to add to our list. Oh, my God. She's she's absolutely Final Girl Friday for this week. I guess if you couldn't tell. 100%. This movie wraps up beautifully. It is a quick watch. It is so detailed it is it, it is so tense and i can't recommend it enough if you're looking for like a modern slasher because it checks all it checks all the boxes for me it really does it's you can tell that this was a passion project for them you can you can see all the pre-production that went into this mm -hmm. you can just tell that every detail was well thought out and granted Yes, the, the the script isn't without its faults, but they're very few and they're faults that are forgivable. It doesn't Absolutely. hinder the movie in any way, shape or form. And I love the making the main character deaf mute because not only does that speak to the community of deaf mutes, but it also lent itself very well to horror. It was a nice twist on the genre that mm -hmm. I had never seen up until this movie. And th those small changes, as small as they are, just in the sense of creating this character with a, a disability, adds to the richness of this script, but also at the same time, creating an, ex an exceptionally strong character. Male, female, I don't care how you identify. This character is beautifully written without them saying any words. And I cannot express how excellent that is how much talent you have to have not only just building that character that script but performing it this is probably my favorite performance we've watched for the podcast kate siegel absolutely gets like the academy award for me for this performance oh yeah <laughs> it's just excellent she did so well and her and mike flanagan are a great team and i can't wait to see what they come up with next I, oh, I know. I know there's a slate of things out. She's fantastic in Haunting of Hell House and Bly Manor, if you haven't mm -hmm. watched it. Highly, highly recommend. It is probably one of the best horror series to come out within like the past 20 years, in my opinion. Oh, and yeah, definitely. That's including American Horror Story, because 
I, I love American Horror Story, but the scripts aren't exactly the best. Mm, yeah, we won't get they into pander. American Horror Story. <laughs> they pander and there's pandemonium. So yeah. for Hush, what do you give it out of five? For Hush, I give this movie. I want to, you know, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Holy crap. Wow. Winner, yeah. winner, chicken dinner. It is. Out of, out of all the movies that we've covered, yes, the script and, and maybe some of the story had minor faults that we caught, but it wasn't mm-hmm. enough to, to distract me from the masterpiece that this movie is. The sound design, the, the story, the character arcs, everything. There, like I can see and feel that there was so much put into this script mm-hmm. and these character developments that I'm willing to overlook these small, minute details that maybe didn't work. This Just movie for a so, great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great experience. It's a great twist on a, like a slasher movie. I can't say what's it not to love. It's, it's really, it's like really what's not to love. It's yeah. a masterclass in acting, storytelling, and sound design. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to take anything from these movies, it's those three. I agree with everything that you're saying. However, because of the small script stuff for me, it's not a five out of five. There are a few things that it, they don't take away in any way, shape, or form, but they're just things. Mm-hmm. So I would give it a four point five out of five. It's almost there. It's almost just like a near fucking perfect movie for me. It's still fantastic, and I'm gonna recommend it to anyone who would listen to me about it. But it, it's a four point five. It's so no, that's totally fair. Bad. It's mm-hmm. so well done, and if this if nobody has watched this yet, please do yourself a favor and watch it. Please, and- please, please, please. This might lead you into the rest of his filmography, which I promise does not disappoint. Oh no, it's so good. Even the quote unquote bad ones are still, it's just, they're they're like fantastic. Oculus. Like Oculus. I love Oculus. Uh, I also forgot that Mike also did the Ouija sequel, the one set in the 1960s. That's supposed yes, to be- the good one. <laughs> yeah, that's supposed to be the good one. So please look into his filmography. He's always, he's, I, no, he's going to be a voice that is going to be considered up there with Craven, with Carpenter, with all the greats. And I cannot wait to see what he continues to do. For, for me, he's like along the same lines of Ari Aster, where they're, where they're like <clears throat> this new generation of horror Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan. Eh, Jordan Peele's still getting there for me. Us wasn't, <laughs> uh, we won't get into Jordan Peele, but Us was kind of a hit or miss for me. I can feel that. So if you guys agreed, disagreed, please let us know how you feel about Hush. Comment on our Instagram. It is at The Carpenter Queens. Comment and like, follow on our Twitter at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography on Instagram. My personal account is at STFU Ray. And for next week's episode, it is the one that I am most jazzed for. It is my pick. I'm so Next week, we are going to be reviewing Chopping Mall from 1985. Oh, so hype. <laughs> it's another one to add to our movies that are so bad they're good. Um, so, just a, a warning don't expect this <laughs> to be quite the masterpiece that we consider Hush to be. I still think it's a horror masterpiece. In- my humble B plus movie opinion. It's about killer robots in a mall. What else do I need? It's so fun. <laughs> but I hope you guys can pick up and watch before next week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I had a ball. I had a great time not only watching this movie, but sitting here and discussing it and fangirling about how great Mike Flanagan and Kate are. <laughs> 
that we're huge stands on this freaking podcast. But we hope you guys enjoyed. Please pick up a rental. Remember, 69 cents for a rental every single day. And we have good and bad horror movies. Yeah, and don't forget, Evan, return that tape. You little fuck. But thanks for listening to this week's episode. Stay queer, thanks, stay safe. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye, 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 bye.